Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm Seth Payne speaking somewhat quietly in my downstairs while my family sleeps upstairs. I'm uh, I'm probably way more excited than my voice would suggest right now. And I'm, I'm kind of taken aback by it because I'm excited about Tom Brady winning yet another Super Bowl. Seven Super Bowls, is that enough? I would say the seventh one is, as Robert Kraft might say, unequivocally the sweetest because Tom Brady did this with Bruce Arians and really won his first truly convincing Super Bowl victory of his seven Super Bowls with Bruce Arians as his head coach. Hey, did they have more talent than any team that Tom Brady ever had in New England? Perhaps. I think sometimes we forget that some of these guys, uh, some, some of these guys were some pretty damn good football players along the way. And I think it's also worth mentioning that there are some of the players like Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was drafted one pick after the Patriots drafted Derek Rivers, a defensive end, in 2017. Levante David was a second rounder back in 2012. They've they've got guys on that team that the Patriots could have had, but they also do have the benefit of some higher draft picks. So regardless, it was a it was a hell of a team performance. I think it was a great performance by Brady in doing all those things that a quarterback who has experience in the Super Bowl will do. Not hurrying things, not rushing things, just doing the the quintessential taking what the defense will give you. And I think both these defenses were trying to do just that, take away the deep balls, not let the best performers crush you on one given play. And I think that the Bucks just did a better job of executing, partly because they've got better talent. Look, the Kansas City offensive line was uh, not adequate whatsoever. And what what really killed them, aside from Pat Mahomes' toe potentially messing up his accuracy, was that that Bucks defense is so fast that they could play conservatively. They could play zone defense. And when the Chiefs try to do what they're so good at doing is just crushing teams with the short passing games and getting the run after the 
run after the catch, the Bucks defenders and their linebackers especially can just chase all of that stuff down. So Levante, David, Devin White, who look, Devin White isn't the most consistent guy in the world, but man, he can run. So when you're trying to dink and dunk and matriculate the ball down the field, as the old Kansas City Chiefs might say, uh, I think it was, was that Hank Stram that used to say that. Um, you you can't do that against that Bucks defense when they're playing as disciplined as they were. And I think discipline, poise, all of those things, those words, those are probably the key words in this game. The Bucks just looked like, they looked like the team that had been there before, didn't they? I mean, the Chiefs were here last year, but the Chiefs were making so many hot-headed penalties. And speaking of penalties, the Bucks were the third most penalized for past defensive pass interference this year. So this was no accident. This wasn't this wasn't like a surprise that the Bucks might get themselves into penalty trouble. And you know for damn sure it wasn't a surprise to Tom Brady. And Brady was working those guys. That the little grudge match that he had there with Tyron Matthew, <clears throat> I'm sure they'll they'll make up afterwards and everything. I, I think that was as much about the other safeties and defensive backs as it was about Tyron Matthew. You could see there were a few times where Tyron thought that he had help when he didn't. The guys just weren't there. So Brady was really doing a really good job of manipulating the defensive backs, manipulating the safeties with his eyes, and then just cranking out, like creating calls. One thing you got to understand about Brady is that nobody coaches his wide receivers better than Tom Brady does. So when you're going against a team like the Bucks and they have certain tendencies and they've got routes that they hate and there's going to be times where they get grabby, that's all by design. That's all coached. So I'm only I'm only half joking uh, or I guess I'm only half serious about being super happy that it was Bruce Arians that won instead of instead of Bill Belichick, but I'm 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 pretty happy about that. I think that Belichick is a hell of a coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that you know it was all Brady or anything. They did an incredible job through those years, but I just feel like I feel like Brady has been in some respects criminally underrated by his own coaching staffs in New England and. I, I I want Brady to be able to get as much possible credit as he's due, and to do it, you know, frankly, with a team that, as of yet, has no reputation of cheating. I'm uh, sorry, they just don't. They've got a reputation of maybe Bruce Arians liking the whiskey a little bit too much sometimes, not in an alcoholic type of way. He just uh, he is he he is notoriously said he just doesn't know what. Guys like Belichick spend all that time watching film. Belichick would rather be sitting on his boat, sipping on a whiskey every now and then in the evening and enjoying himself. So good for Bruce Arians, good for Tom Brady, and then frankly, uh, good for anybody that ever wins a Super Bowl. I'm always jealous of all of you. So that's my prelude to this episode. Drew Hodgson and I recorded this before the Super Bowl. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll probably catch up with each other on the Super Bowl itself. But uh, really, a boring Super Bowl. <laughs> this this reminds me of back when I was growing up, when every year it was a January tradition to sit down and watch an AFC team just get absolutely throttled by an NFC team. So thank you, Patrick Mahomes, for helping me relive relive my youth and watching an AFC team get throttled by an NFC team. And I, look, they'll be back. Pat Mahomes will be back next year. He'll get surgery on his toe this off season. I think Tyron Matthews is going to be just as good as he ever was. And uh, and and 
there's a really good chance that we see this as a rematch of the Super Bowl next year. Here comes the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Drew, I promise it's going to end at some point. I'm, I'm going to stop bringing you on specifically to ask you about Deshaun Watson, but that's kind of, I, I feel selfish doing it because I'm a Houston sports radio host, obviously, but this is the national story right now is little Carson Wentz's potentially fall by the wayside. It's going to end up being Deshaun Watson standing there all by himself. Matt's, Matt Stafford's gone off to LA and it's going to be Deshaun Watson. And this is going to be the next three months of us fielding stories about the Texans claiming that there's there's no way in hell they'll trade Deshaun <laughs> Watson. They'll never, I'll never do it. I'll never trade Deshaun Watson to yeah. when I think like, I think it inevitably happens. I know you and I disagree about that a little bit. I am curious if you heard Brett Favre weigh in, because it's, you know, this is what happens during Super Bowl week. All the old Hall of Famers get interviewed and you find out that none of them actually been paying all that much attention to what's going right. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so Brett Favre and uh, what's his name from uh, Dick Vermeil, Dick Vermeil, all weighed in and they kind of give their old man old school takes, which is fine if you're a young man and you have the same opinion as them. But Favre, Favre did it in such a way that it doesn't make any sense. And you start to wonder, wait, maybe Favre isn't like the super intelligent uh, guy that we thought he was. Maybe he isn't the most eloquent person on earth the way he was always reputed to be. Yeah, how how long is that list of people that were convinced he was super intelligent? <laughs> it was really long. I it mean, was it's, it's it's waned. It was all down somewhere years. like yeah. out in the like the outer reaches of Kill Mississippi. Not <laughs> yeah, not, exactly. not yeah. Kill Mississippi proper, but the outlying provinces. Yeah, yeah, the the rural areas. Yeah. I'm kind of old school. I think you know, you play, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's it's a different day and time, and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. I I don't mind honestly when people criticize Deshaun for if, if you if you disagree with me and you think that he's being a spoiled diva and that he should just go back to work. I get that sentiment. I disagree with it. But the problem with Favre is that Favre was amongst the biggest divas in the league when he was a player. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you and I both know that when we were playing and it was it was Green Bay South in Houston, and we heard enough stories firsthand from guys that played with Favre when they were there together in Green Bay. And the stories that I heard were preposterous. Oh, really? Oh, I you, mean, you was, heard more than I did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, hundred uh, percent. I mean, it was stories like, you know, demands that he had when they were traveling on the road that he had to have his own like travel bubble at all times. He had to have, you know, open seats on the plane. He yeah. Had, you know, all, I mean, all the, you know, he was like Barry Bonds. That was always right. the rumor about yeah. Barry Bonds, right? That he had his own office and everything. Kirk Cousins had his own office when he was in Washington, but it was I, I think he probably requested it this way because he knew the optics of it would be bad. It was like a little broom closet. Like it was worse than a broom closet. It was like a like an irregularly shaped corner that that he was kind of wedged into and he had a cubicle where he could go and break down film and do some of his stuff, but but not like a broad expanse of real estate the way apparently Barry well, Bonds and Brett Favre Which is like, you know, do you really have a problem if your quarterback is requesting additional space so he can actually study and watch film? Right. Because yeah, guys, that's not, I mean, who's really Cousins is that kind of guy too. Right. Like Favre yeah. would be asking for an extra cubicle so he could 
Yeah, privacy for services. For, yeah, yeah, for dong for dong shots. I so need an extra. Have, I need extra yeah. room underneath the desk here. Yeah, <laughs> dirty old man. That's what he is now. He's a dirty old. Now I guess he's reformed. I don't know. Uh, so yeah. the other the other stories revolving around Deshaun are that the Texans are one hundred percent committed to focusing on bringing him back into the fold. That was from Ian Rappaport. That which which is the appropriate tactic to have. And it's it's funny that I mean they're talking about we need to recruit him back or bring him back. I mean he is still technically on the team, but this yes. is where we've gotten to the point where the the organization at least I think understands. All right, this is for real, and he's really put out. We got to figure something out here. Yeah, they're they're fully committed to making sure they bring back the starting quarterback, one of the best in the league, who's under contract. That's, <laughs> they are fully committed to that. So that's a is, good statement to your fans. That's, you are uh, moving <laughs> in the right direction. Well done. Uh, Adam Schefter came out with a report on Sunday that the equipment guy, the head equipment guy and all his staff, um, another couple front office employees were gone, which which isn't all that uncommon when uh, a new general manager like Nick Casario comes in. Um, but Jack Easterby is the guy that everybody's always worried about there. I, I, I wonder with the equipment staff, though, that's not as standard. I, when I say it's standard, I mean, it's standard to lose some people and for the new GM and the new people to bring in their own guys. Equipment right. staffs tend to last throughout different coaching regimes. And what Schefter is saying is that Deshaun Watson was particularly attached to the equipment manager and that this might not sit all that well with him, which is I, where do you stand on that? Cause I can see you rolling your eyes a little bit. Are you rolling your eyes at the, at the Texans making a mistake? Are you rolling your eyes at Deshaun potentially being a diva or maybe a little bit of both? It may be both. It yeah. might be both. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you can read now we're at the point where you can read into every single fact that is being dropped into the story. You know, but I mean, ultimately, if the deciding factor on whether Deshaun ends up with the Texans for the next several years or this upcoming season, most most of all, it, I don't think it's going to come down to whether the equipment manager was there or not. It could I mean, be one I, of the small things, though, right? It, the, it could be. I mean, it doesn't of, look you build good. the case. Yeah. I mean, he might be one of those guys where at this point he's looking for any reason to be you know, pissed off. And maybe that's just like icing on the cake. But it, it's just they, they have so much work to do with with like the big stones that they're trying to prioritize that I don't think the little ones are necessarily the the problem. It just doesn't look good when it's already making it to the press. I think that this is where I feel bad for equipment guys. I think that <laughs> whenever there's a scandal or whenever there's an expose written as there was twice this year from by Sports Illustrated about the Texans, I feel like the equipment guys are the first ones that front office guys start wondering about because the equipment guys are down around the players all the time. Some of them do get to form pretty close relationships with the players, the star players, especially they need extra special treatment. The guys are around them all the time. So whether it's fair or not, I, I feel like anytime some expose comes out, the equipment guys must be like, Oh, great. Like I'm going to have, I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some low level intern come down here. These sent out, he's an errand boy sent from the, from the GM and he's going to start trying to buddy, buddy. And he's going to try to infiltrate his way in and see, see who's, who's the mole here. And now I'm going to have to sniff out this mole and walk around him. That, that part of new regimes taking over new head coaches coming in, new general managers coming in. I think it I think it comes down to how paranoid an individual guy is. And if I were the Texans right now, I would whether it's whether it's warranted or not, I'd be paranoid as hell. <laughs> so, is that so is that is that uh is that common course that like is this guy you think he was just caught in the fray? Like he was just it's possible I mean, who knows? Maybe, yeah. 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he knew something. I don't know. It, it is weird timing. I mean, why would you bother doing it now? You know, like of all your priorities, that is a little weird. I guess, yeah. And who has the guys have their own equipment guys? Maybe Casario from up in New England wants to bring his deflator fella down or something. Maybe those guys. I've always wondered in New England, like when you remember how much they talked yeah. about doctoring up the balls and everything just yeah. to get to get everybody prepared for playing in bad weather. They yeah. beat the hell out of the balls. Remember when Bill Belichick got up and he gave that press conference where he he talked about how they know everything about the football and do all these things except for the except for the PSI. He knows nothing about that. He no, knows, he doesn't know about like, that. I know that's, we that's, know everything about every little detail yeah. except the PSI. I've never bothered to learn anything about that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so in the weeds with every single element of my team except for anytime I'm in trouble for anything publicly. <laughs> it that never once actually, occurred to me. That's someone else's job. In fact, that was the equipment guy's job who we fired. So, so maybe we're gonna maybe they'll bring down the deflator and a couple of those other guys. Maybe that's yeah, one of the... Yeah, I mean, it couldn't hurt. They're kind I, of at that stage. I always felt like when Bill O'Brien first got to Houston or any of these guys go anywhere, I, f- I feel like there's a moment where they get in and, and, and they probably look around and they're like, okay, so who's, who's in charge of giving me all the good secret information? Like who's in charge, oh, of, yeah. who's in charge yeah. of all the espionage and everything? Not, not that it has to be illegal. Settle down, Patriots fans. But, you know, towing right up to the edge. Right I, up to I, the edge. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, what would be great is if maybe he's just bringing in another equipment manager who's more, a, a competing evangelist for Easterby and we're just going to have like a, like a televangelof and we're just going to say who's going to win this. this what if there's like, yeah, I don't know, but I don't know what Easterby is. Maybe he's a Methodist or something and Casario needs something to counterbalance that. So he's bringing in a, pres- a Presbyterian or, or a Baptist. Like, if you want to go big <laughs> yeah. guns, what are the, what are the natural? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know which ones are like the most combative with each other. I'm not dialed into the individual denominations. That you way. need one of them uh seventh day Adventists there, or is that whatever they're, yeah, they're, they're, the, the, Oh the, yeah. The or people. maybe like a, maybe like a Pentecostal. Yeah, something fundamentalist is what yeah. you need if you're, if you're, if you're coming to play. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do this for people because people wonder, wait a second, how can a player sit out with this new collective bargaining agreement because the penalties are so much more onerous? I got corrected. I, I mispronounced that word the other day, just Sean and one of the listeners to the podcast. So there you go. There you go, Dave. I, I corrected my pronunciation of onerous for you. Did, so you, the say, penal- did you say odorous? I think I said honorous. Oh, honorous. Yeah. I had a friend once I played with Brant Boyer, who's now the special teams coach with the Jets. And he's a very, very good special teams coach. But he's from Utah. And, and like he's been in uh, he's <laughs> been with the Utah. Jets. He's been with the Jets through three head coaches now. Robert Sala retained him because he's like the only good thing on the Jets. They've right. had really good special teams units. But he used to say honoring. He used to say honoring. It used to drive me insane, but somehow I think it seeped into the way I pronounce honor onerous. I always kind of felt like you had the option. That was one of those ones that can it not go either way, or are those two actual separate words? And I'm just ignorant to that. Who I will oh, ornery or honoring? Yeah, can't you? Isn't it like that one's optional? Oh, maybe I don't know. I guess say I get busted for saying elementary school because some of the people in upstate New York <laughs> say elementary school. Yeah, that's rough. And I would say people would say, Seth, no, it's elementary. And I'm like, no, look, look in the dictionary. And I looked it up. No, no, there's no acceptable elementary. (laughs) And then I would say, well, you know, it's like in Sherlock Holmes, like elementary dear Watson. And they'd say, no, he doesn't say that either. You you dumb fool. No, you invented something he does in the show and you're not British. So (laughs) they say that in upstate New York, they say elementary. So what are the penalties if Deshaun Watson were to sit out? Because the penalties are worse this year and you can't, the team can't, 
relieve you of those penalties. They used to, you might have a bunch of fines stacked up, but if you came back into the fold, the, the team would say, all right, listen, buddy, we're just going to, we're going to let bygones be bygones and you're not going to get fined. Now you have to pay those fines no matter what. So if Watson missed mandatory mini camp, it would cost him $95,000. That feels like a relative pittance for a guy that's probably going to make about a half a billion dollars in his career. Uh, if he misses 28 days of training camp, it would be $1.4 million. Three preseason games would be $1.86 million. So he could be looking at just through training camp, getting fined $3.3 million. He gets into the regular season. And of course he doesn't get paid for the games that he doesn't play. And if he, it, then also the, um, you know, if he tried to retire or something, he'd have to pay back some of his signing bonus. I don't, he's not going to try to pull that move. He's not like at the point where he's saying like, no, I'm just, I'm going to retire instead of play for you guys. So it's not that bad. I mean, he'll lose his salary for this year. I guess the biggest thing would be that he's under contract already for four or five more years. If, if he misses a good chunk of the regular season, then he doesn't get credit for this season. So he would just, so when he starts playing next year, he would have to just start with this year's salary and his big, big money and his contract doesn't kick in uh, for another year or so. So that would be the biggest penalty, but it's not like that's not enough. I think for somebody who's made as much as he has and for who's going to make as much as he will, I don't think the financial penalties are what are, what are going to scare him away. I don't either. I mean, it's hard to envision a scenario where that's really the deciding factor, where the pressure from having missed the games yeah. is what's really bringing him back. It's, and, it, and it seems like the team itself is incentivized to try to make moves faster than that would be the main issue because they need to put together some kind of team and figure out who's playing quarterback if that's the route they go. Unless they're just going to tank this year. I feel yeah. like there's yeah. – I think that part of the the coaching staff they've assembled, the roster that they have right now – I think they're going to take these next couple months to figure out if they can get Deshaun Watson back engaged. And if not, they're going to say, well, the hell with it. This, this roster sucks already. Anyway, we're just going to go ahead and rebuild and get as much as we can for Deshaun. I mean, I guess, yeah, you can see that, you know, they're, they're appreciating the, the cap trouble that they're not that it's, that it's too egregious, but I mean, you can perceive it as serious cap trouble. If you try to keep certain guys, you can't be aggressive. You can't be aggressive right now. Right. You can't be aggressive. So you could, you could look at it as almost like a, like an Astros rebuilding mode. If they decide to just go, you know, all the way and try to do it that way. But God, that would be brutal. All right, I've cleansed myself of Deshaun Watson talk for now. I I wish the best for the equipment manager. He's not the guy that was there when I was. <laughs> I, I I wish I had written his name down. He seemed like a good guy. Good reports from everybody. I did. He wasn't the guy that was there when I was there. So um, yeah, yeah. So he's dead to me. No, I I think those guys. Uh, those guys, if they're good at what they do, they bounce bounce back and find something else. Aaron Rodgers last night at a, an NFL awards show. That I don't know if you saw any of it at all, Drew. Uh, very weird, like everything in COVID. Steve Harvey was standing in an empty Raymond James Stadium. And wait, is it Raymond James? Whatever the hell the Tampa Stadium is. Um, standing in an empty stadium and talking to like a, a screen full of NFL players who were watching this. Guys, and it was, you know how these things go. It was the guys that were going to receive awards for the most part watching. Like Alex Smith was there because he won the Comeback Player of the Year award. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, won Player of the Year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was there because he would ultimately win the MVP. He's the third third player in NFL history to lead the league in passing touchdowns. 
48 passing touchdowns while throwing the fewest interceptions, five. I don't know about you, Drew, but uh, I, I covered a team here in town, the Houston Astros, who led the league in home runs and had the least strikeouts, and they did it on the up and up. I don't know about this. I don't know about this Aaron <laughs> Rodgers fella, but all yeah. I know is when you start right. you start stacking right. together performances like this, uh, when you're in your late <laughs> 30s after a few years off, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe there's a little bit of the old Peyton Manning uh, longevity clinic action going on. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' yeah. fiance's head shipped to her house. Yeah, no, I think when you watch his style of play, it seems obvious that uh, performance enhancing drugs are definitely part of that. Well, no, I mean, I think it's 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 weird to see a guy like that and appreciate the level of performance that he turns in year over year and still feel like he seems underrated to me. Like he still seems kind of underrated, like underappreciated. Hmm. In a way. I don't. Uh, so I'm one of the people that who underrates him, just because I think if he if it had been in a different situation and you didn't have Mike McCarthy, if you had somebody that was yeah, more, right. I mean, if you had obviously Andy Reid or somebody like that, mm-hmm. or just a better overall head coach, I think they would have built on yeah. more of what they could have done. Because you see, now he's in an actual system. And he's, yeah. and he's playing within the system. There was never a system before. There was what Mike McCarthy wanted to do, what Aaron Rodgers thought they could do, and never the tween would meet, uh, you know, especially right. once some of the, the talent started leaving the building. building. So I, I think these last few years, the biggest thing I always looked at, if I got into an argument with somebody about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, I would say, yes, Aaron Rodgers has the incredible – plays he's got some incredible performances and it's incredible seasons this is his third mvp but if you look at year by year where they were in terms of offensive ratings offensive efficiency scoring offenses the the packers are all over the place they'll spend some years middle of the pack then back at top five where the patriots they're almost always top five with tom brady you can can you not attribute that to you know what what you had referenced which was you know less effective coaching Mm-hmm. especially the offensive coordinators I feel like in Green Bay were just not at the same level that some of the guys that were going through New England and then top to bottom and then they also New England still people I don't also fully appreciate the kind of talent that Tom Brady had around him too and and I guess you can make arguments for some of the role players that you know Aaron Rodgers had when he was in Green Bay but they just are not on the same caliber as the guys that were going in and out of New England well I, I don't think I, I, mean, I think that I think that when it comes to stuff like that my First response is, I just don't care. I just want to know, okay, but what's the, what's <laughs> right. the finished product? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, hey, fair. you know what? Look yeah. at look at like Instagram models today versus the women that people thought were hot in the 1950s. And it's yeah. not even close. Like your, your 200th best looking woman in the world today is way hotter than most of these supposed beauties from the 50s because they work out. They've got other ways to tweak and everything. It's just it's not mm. that they're any different genetically or anything. They're just they're working in a better system. So likewise, Tom Brady was working in a better system than Aaron Rodgers, and it made Tom Brady better. Sure. Aaron Rodgers was a better uncut gem than Tom Brady was, but he remained, he just always remained a little jagged. He was dealing with imperfect jewelers and or Instagram. Yeah. Filters. He still only was winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Hardly. Hardly. Who? Rogers. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he still only was doing it. You know? It was, uh, yeah. this is Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl. I know. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. Now this is the part five. This is the part about Aaron Rodgers though, too. This is the kind of, this little appeal to your meathead side that he saw something <laughs> this last year where he was looking at a Super Bowl clip from 10 years ago 
And he said, quote, I was realizing the thing I was working on back then so much was the sinking into the hitch at the top of my drop. And that was one area that I think was lacking based on my injuries banged up the last couple of years and some of the adjustments I had to make fundamentally to deal with a knee and a leg that wasn't as strong as it used to be. And that's why I really got back into squatting because he wanted to build that up so he could put a ton of pressure. So uh, the, when if you, for the listener, you can think of like when he's dropping back and he hits his back foot there, a lot of your power really comes from, you know, loading, loading up those springs in your legs and, and sinking your hips into it. And he started doing that a lot more this year. So it wasn't, that's obviously not, you know, that's not very bond strength there or anything, but there is something about just squatting or deadlifting or leg pressing that I think sometimes guys get away from it, especially if you're not, if you're not in a power position and people don't realize how much it helps your athletic ability, that you don't want to think that it does, but that it just, it makes your, your, your ability to move your own body is so much better when you're, doing some kind of heavy leg workout oh absolutely and it, and it translates across sports i mean i mean i feel like you can look at you can watch tennis players oh yeah you see them i mean all that power golfers it's coming now. from their base yeah golfers yeah. now it's the same way i mean a lot of offensive linemen probably guys that you played against that they didn't always you know they, <laughs> they weren't that impressive up top i mean it's not like they had you know inc- incredible biceps or yeah like a built chest but they always were able to just like they were so stout and a lot of that, it just all comes from their base. From the well, that's power. what it's one of the worst things that happens to kids in this country. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right. Yeah, let's go. Just, just said it that way. Yeah. This is one of the true. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the hot, worst hot, things hot, that could happen to a child. <laughs> Overemphasis on bench press. <laughs> I, think I can't think agree. of anything worse. I can't. Yeah. Um, I, can't I know. But, <laughs> I can't either. It's got nothing to do with public education. But but when it comes to actually sports, like in a lot, most other countries, people care more about either squats or the Olympic lifts. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Olympic lifts, but the lower body and the in all of that, like because that's where your power come from. I don't know where along the way Americans got so obsessed with the bench press. Maybe it's just because of Hollywood. Maybe because maybe because we we're just more vain over here, so people worry more about the stuff you can see. Where for athletic performance, working your legs is by far the most important thing. It's, it's a, it's the bench press hardly matters for most yeah. sports. No, not at all. It no. doesn't matter for football at all, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, even it's, for it's offensive- such a surface level. It's such a surface level measurement of strength and yeah. nothing else because there's almost no technique there's very little technique i know they try to act like there is there's really not i mean it's there's a it, it bit, so much as like, it is your like final final points i'm not gonna make excuses here like i'm not a great bench presser like but because yeah. so much of it is your attachments your arm length yeah. all that stuff because some people can just like bench press like crazy yeah it's like but, physics it's just the physic the phys- the physiology that you have like yeah right? to the angles that used to drive me insane because i was like i was one of the stronger guys on the football field on average but it was because of my legs and my back actually like i could do i could do pull-ups i could do pull-ups all day long for a big guy you know i don't i say all day long yeah like when i weighed like 320 pounds i could do like like seven strict (laughs) pull-ups yeah Yeah. that's a big deal for a 320 pounder um yeah but the other the the other big advantage for doing your legs this is for anybody listening that does like crossfit or something well you guys know this because you do crossfit and you're psychotic but just when, when i go work out at some group fitness place 
I get my ass kicked at everything by the 120 pound women that can just fly right. around everywhere, except yeah. when it comes like the rowing machine, which I can just, I, I, I can almost just, I, I almost destroy the rowing machine because there's no, I'm not sinking a boat down with me. So like all that power yeah. doesn't have to actually push a boat and you can just, you can just fly through all those workouts. That, that part's fun. Doesn't it feel, doesn't that feels so good? Cause I'm the same way. And it just feels like sweet justice when you're trying to like prove to them that there is something to the fact that they just only weigh 120 pounds or whatever it is. And you're like, no, really? Oh, I am. I am pretty fit. Normal size people don't, normal size people don't understand how hard it is for big guys to run. Like the, the, the struggle that you have just biomechanically. I remember my, yeah, my nephew you doing burpees. It's like, yeah, ugh. my nephew like moved up a couple of weight classes his senior year in high school. And he'd always been a little, you know, he'd always been a smaller guy and he moved up to a middle or a heavier weight because he had his growth spurt. And he was like, he was like, holy, shit, holy crap, Seth. I, like, I, I had no idea. I always thought you guys were just being lazy. Like, dude, no, you're no. carrying around a hundred pound backpack on your legs. No. And you're like, and you only gained 17 pounds. Like try 90. And you know what I've feels. seen? Booger McFarland does Peloton and he'll put it. He'll put his, up. He'll put, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta he'll see put his workouts up sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, he'll finish, you know, fourth place out of 4,000 people. <laughs> and you just think about, he's got powerful legs, you know, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing he still does heavy leg workouts or something. So you get on those. And I've seen this too sometimes, like some like like roided up power lifters. Oh yeah, we'll do the we'll do the the rowing machine, and they just crush it. Murder. Because there's no yeah. there's no wind resistance, there's no water resistance. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. There's splits. They're doing they're doing like you know like one minute nine second five hundred meter splits, and yeah. So uh, oh, the other award, Alex Smith got comeback player of the year, broken fibula and tibia. If you've never seen any of the documentaries about it. They're highly inspirational, and I would highly recommend that you don't watch them uh, because they're disgusting. Don't watch the part with his leg all misshapen and everything. He looked like something out of Misery the movie. Yeah, I can't. I can't watch that stuff. It's it's too graphic for me at this point. I feel like once he, I've been there, I'm I'm not into it. He had 17 surgeries because of infections, and I'm just. Uh, I, the thing that I think about when I hear 17 surgeries is a, obviously that's a whole lot of pain and discomfort and rehab and everything, but B coming out of general anesthesia that much, that many times. Now, I don't know if, I don't know if he had to do general anesthesia for all of them. Maybe some of them you could do epidural or something, but that alone seems like it would take a toll on your body. Yeah. I mean, that, once or twice, sign me up. It's actually pretty fun. I mean, some of those drugs, those twilight drugs, they put you under before you go into it it's it's good stuff i could see i could see how it becomes problematic the but but the rest i have to think they're probably just doing like local and cleaning it out or something like that that's that's a lot of times to be put under and that wasn't even that long ago really yeah there was uh i was thinking about getting my knee replacement this year but i'm going to put it off and one of the reasons is because i already had surgery once within this calendar year and between that and covid i'm like i don't i don't want to go under general anesthesia again I don't know. And nah. it, as, as low as your chances are of conking out under general anesthesia, I've had over like 20 surgeries now. I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to, I don't know. I'm getting up into that risk category where at some point, if I keep doing it, there's going to be some kind of complication. Oh yeah. I'm having my ninth next, next week. And that's f starting to feel like quite a lot. And it's been a little while since I've been under general anesthesia too. And then you yeah. see like the horror stories about people that are still, it's like they have the, what is it where they're awake? 
they're actually awake like one of the three drugs you know it puts yeah you, it put it, it paralyzes you but you still have the the, the sensation of what's yeah. going on under it. yeah like, like you can feel everything and hear everybody oh my god like if you could invent your worst nightmare that's it you know like you like, could either feel all the pain or even worse hear them making fun of your body yeah I don't yeah. need that. I don't need <laughs> exactly. that at all. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to hear the anesthesiologist mocking my body. I'm like, I don't need I'm to hear. Yeah. I don't need to hear the nurse being like, "Ew, he's old. I'm not that old." I'm screaming. <laughs> right, I'm not right, that old. Right. He's hairier than I thought. <laughs> that was after I had my hernia surgery. I guess I didn't realize they were gonna. I, they didn't. They don't. They they go in through your belly button. But I didn't realize they were going to shave me or anything. And there's somehow I felt weirdly violated somehow. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why yeah. I woke up. And well, and the other thing. OK, I was a little bit embarrassed because that morning I had thought, oh, boy, I'm uh, I, I hadn't really groomed myself in a while. And yeah. I'm like, this will be embarrassing. I know I'm, I'm going to be buck naked when I get up on the table there. And I don't know exactly oh, yeah. where they're making the incision. So let me groom this up a little bit. But I messed up the guard. And I knocked it right down to the skin, which is not my normal deal. You know, yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I'm too, I, I, I've been married happily for too long to worry about that level of maintenance yeah, right. or anything. Yeah. So then I, <laughs> so, yeah, it's not like you're going to be on camera. It's plus, okay. I was, you know, I was kind of in a hurry. So I was just a very, it was like a so reverse mohawk. Job. <laughs> it was a reverse mohawk above my junk. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, moment, as they lifted me up onto the table i almost thought about saying something about it like hey i just want to apologize and, and uh but i you know I, there was no there was no couth way to pull that off so i just went to sleep and then i woke up and <laughs> and I, I kept thinking like well okay i i think they said they were going to go in through their belly button i'm not sure so maybe they won't even see that part but i woke up and they had shaved like right from where all my belly hair had been down down to my down to my uh my completely barren landscape down so there. like it, it really just created like a perfect target area for your your most like like sensitive parts yeah. that you're you're the most insecure about like these are the areas that i'm the most insecure <laughs> yeah about. they had circled me like a sorority girl yeah, or something exactly. like, yeah. through your problem spots yeah. so uh carson wentz i mentioned this earlier carson wentz mm. it, the reports are that he's likely to be traded originally the eagles were thinking they were going to get two first round picks for him the rest of the league said <laughs> did you watch carson ones play this year are you yeah. familiar with why you're trying to trade him and mortensen and Schefter said that there are whispers that over the years wentz has struggled at times with his ability to forge relationships across the locker room but others believe that could have been a natural byproduct of him and the team not living up to lofty expectations how do you feel about that i I don't know. They, I feel like that's a strange thing to put in there because unless I hear that people on the team actively disliked him, yeah, I think it plays a little too much into that notion that, oh, the quarterback is the leader of men and the charismatic guy that everybody loves. Or I, It's not necessarily like that. Um, even no. amongst really good quarterbacks, it's not, it's not your... It's not your high school football movie where the quarterback is the mm -hmm. best looking kid in the school and the leader of the team and everything. It, uh, so I don't I don't I don't I don't think that all of a sudden Carson Wentz is like a bad dude or something. He just might not be. He might not be like that. Oh, wow. He's the best guy in the world and everybody loves him like Pat Mahomes, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, my, my feeling, especially having played center and and uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> being in that role where supposedly you're supposed to be, you know, as close to the guy who's who's running the offense in that way is that it's just always overrated it's just yeah. they put way too much stock 
into that kind of like that mythology around the, the quarterback having, you know, been the one that's, that's taking us to the championship every year. And he's the guy that's, you know, the leader of men and, and the general on the field. And, it, and to some extent, that's true. I mean, guys like Peyton Manning, of course, I mean, they're guys that they understand the offense in and out. They know how to make decisions on the field. That's critical when, when you're, you know, in situations like that, but uh, yeah, I just do not, I don't put that much into it. I can see how just, theorizing on the outside is a guy who just has a reputation for being so um, straight laced and buttoned up. You know, yeah. there are, there are teams that aren't real responsive to that kind of personality. Right. You know? So you can see that over time, people are just kind of like, they're not buying into it, but at the same time, if all the other pieces are in place, it's irrelevant. Well, it's, it's a moot point. If you look at, okay, those big three Manning breeze and Brady, those guys are kind of the paradigm for what you would want in terms right. of like, they're the leaders of the offense, their coaches on the field, all of that. But then there are guys like Eli Manning, Russell Wilson. They're mm-hmm. in now they're a tier below those three quarterbacks too. You know, I, I don't know about Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, just given number of championships, but, but, but Russell Wilson is not the same natural leader that, I would say like even a Deshaun Watson is Deshaun doesn't have the success yet, but he's kind of a natural born leader where Russell Wilson is not Eli Manning is not a natural born leader at all. I think the only time I worry about it is if you're actively harming your relationship with your teammates, like, right. Like Jeff George, Ryan leaf, a young Kerry Collins, I guess. What would you say about David Carr? (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know because David Carr was a young player when I played oh, with David Carr. And he was like, look, he was a disappointment as a number one overall pick, but uh, yeah. was he, was he, did he actively harm? I know. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to speak yeah. for yourself, but speak no, for anybody else. Right. Yeah. I know that some offensive linemen, I, and I won't put this part out in the promo or anything, Drew. I know that some offensive linemen would get upset with David Carr because the one thing that he did that was unforgivable was that if he had a chance to run Oof. for positive yeah. yardage just to avoid getting a sack on the sack total. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, a sack is only, it's not when the quarterback gets tackled, it's when he gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So if a quarterback is scrambling and he can throw the ball away or he can run for a quarter yard past the line of scrimmage, then the offensive lineman doesn't get chalked up for a sack. Carr was notorious for taking a sack instead of throwing an incompletion or running out of bounds like a half yard before the line of scrimmage and yeah. making no effort to get back to the line. Is that fair? <clears throat> That's completely fair. I mean, it's there, there are two things. Um, one is I don't, my understanding is that it wasn't even that he was notorious for doing it in so far as, Hey, this is just his play style. These are the decisions that he, he elected to make, you know, for just because it's what he was used to or conditioned to do. It's be, it was more that it was a, a tactical move that was, it was, on purpose. He was uh-huh. doing that on purpose, right? Because it was the best way to boost his quarterback rating. And yeah. so when he's intentionally doing it to boost his own quarterback rating and to bring value um, to himself at the end of the season for, you know, the prospect of moving on to another team. Meanwhile, the rest of the offense, especially the offensive line is suffering as a result of that, because those all go down to sacks, right? So it, it, I was personally on and started those games, yeah, you know, where we were like setting a record for the most sacks ever. And you're looking at it going, I mean, two thirds of these are him just yeah, like running out of bounds behind the line. 
And I never, and that, I never that understood. That is brutal. For one, there's the selling out of your offensive lineman. Obviously, mm-hmm. you don't want to be that guy. But then, two, even if you're being selfish, like, how do you not understand that, man, third and seven is a whole lot better than third and 17? <laughs> you know, like, right. if, if you're trying right. to bolster your stats, <laughs> there's nothing better than a good third down completion percentage or a third down conversion percentage, first downs achieved, all of that. It was. And, and I well, don't know. It, it he proved the point though because he signed for a good, a pretty decent contract, all things considered. When I think he ended up, was at Carolina, I think was was he left there and and he got he got some decent money, you know, going there afterwards. So just because some of the numbers didn't look that bad, well, I don't because know, some, the, of the quarter, some of the quarterback, the quarterback rate, he finished like second that year in court in overall quarterback rating. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. After two thousand seven. Think so? No yeah. kidding. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, it was up there. So you know, it was one of those things where, you know, looked, <laughs> and I mean, feel free, like, like you correct that, but it was it was up there, and he was able to leverage that into a pretty decent deal when he left there. So yeah, it was pretty rough. I mean, beyond that though, I would say it took me some distance from that experience with him to look back and realize that yeah, I mean, he. I had never had really any problem with any quarterback I had, I had ever played with because you cannot, I mean, you're a cult member, you know, yeah. you have to be, you can, oh, yeah, you, uh... you will not be successful if you try to create any kind of schism there, really, especially yeah. as a rookie. I mean, I was a rookie at the time. So, you know, it, I, 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 looking back, I realized like, yeah, this is a guy who I had no problem with a guy, great personality. I mean, he's, he's very easy to get along with and everything else, but like, is he a leader? Nah, it's hard to and I think he would I think he would say say the same thing I mean I've seen him say it in interviews before where he just was either immature or just didn't really understand what was expected or needed from him and he learned it later on but unfortunately you know sometimes you only get a few chances I guess Jamarcus Russell would be another one that I I don't know if he was disliked by his teammates but his teammates (laughs) I know his teammates understood that, oh, wow, this guy's just not getting it. He's right. just, he's just, uh, he's in a different world, in a different place. Yeah, he's he's not exactly, you know, screaming leadership. He was, I think one of the misconceptions about Jamarcus Russell was that he was just some kind of a physical specimen or something, or that he had a strong arm, but not a good arm. He had a phenomenal arm. It wasn't yeah. just strong. It was everything. It was the touch. It is, yeah, he was huge like in a way that he could have been a, a defensive lineman. It was, mm-hmm. he had absolutely everything going for him, except an affinity for the purple. Well, well you, you look at him in his skill set and you think, you know, this is Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who can move around well enough to be, you know, mobile and dangerous and make every possible throw from any spot on the field, you know, but the guy just like could not, could not wrap his head around the offense, it seemed like. The other thing that happened this week was Roger Goodell spoke to the media about a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be coming up in the spring. Uh, the vaccinations, I, I don't think this is probably any huge news, given that none of us really know what the hell is going to happen with vaccinations over the six months. But the one big thing is that, uh, and it, I mean, we knew this before, but I guess he wanted to reiterate, the NFL can't force players to get vaccinated. Right. And... So as far as, okay, are they going to be able to go back to normal because everybody's going to get vaccinated and you can, and, but even then health officials are 
advising caution after you get vaccinated until we get herd immunity. Um, I think that uh, I, they're in a dicey situation here to where it sounds like they're just going to keep going on pretty much. Uh, it sounds like exactly like they are right now moving on through this season. There's going to be very limited contact time other than at practice. They're going to be doing a lot of virtual meetings. The combine is not happening in any kind of a normal form. I think a lot of the the pro days are going to be virtual pro days. So I, I think that they probably went through the season for one and realized, okay, it was really effective in terms of minimizing total number of positive cases. And two, we still put a good product out on the field. I didn't, I, I think for the most part, other than times where multiple guys had to miss games, I thought the product by and large was a pretty good product this year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of like proving a false negative. I don't know if you really have a great sense of what it was going to look like if it didn't happen the way that it did. And we were all probably ready to have some kind of live entertainment that was like a new product that we hadn't seen in a while and we're all stuck inside so it's gonna be like like uh some kind of dancing with the stars product or something you're saying like it was gonna (laughs) supplant supplant football altogether or just it was gonna look like a different version of football no i'm i'm gonna say i'm what i'm saying is that we don't know what it was gonna look like normally yeah. You know, so it's oh, like I would, a, I would lot, say a lot of these games, to, I mean, when I like, was watching it, I saw uh, games to me looked a little weird. I mean, I, I they, they they looked pretty rough, especially early on in the season. Really? I, yeah. I, I, I didn't think so. I think yeah. the, the number of missed tackles was I, actually down. I think uh, you, you might be doing that that confirmation bias thing where you're convinced that tackling isn't as good as it used to be. I, no, I don't even know. Well, I mean, I think you're you're more zoned in on the defensive side of it, and I'm more zoned in on how crisp do these offenses look. <laughs> That's true. So I'm like, hey, you know? everything looks Hey, great. look, defense <laughs> looks phenomenal. And I'm like, yeah, because offense looks brutal. I mean, they look like <laughs> rickety out there the first, like, five, six weeks. You know, so I, I don't know that I could back it up statistically, but I mean, it's just like watching it with with an eye that's familiar for it. I mean, I thought it looked they looked like training camp teams to me for yeah. the first month. I mean, that's, that's fair. I think that. Yeah. And things were, I guess, dumbed down a little bit. You, for sure. You, you had those, to you just. Yeah. And those weeks where those players were out due to covid restrictions. It, it, hugely i mean detrimental to those teams where they didn't have those guys out there so but i mean you're still watching games you're enjoying it a lot of the players what i was surprised by is that they still playing in empty stadiums those guys looked like they cared to me i mean they still oh, yeah. looked like they're they're playing with a lot of energy like that that was actually pretty pretty surprising to me i mean they still looked like they were going out there and giving great effort it looked like they were doing everything they could to win the games so it's got to be such a big disparity between and we talked about this once before but just the difference between how it feels inside the stadium and when it's completely empty versus when you're watching on television and you kind of i you kind of go along with the suspension of disbelief (laughs) you know you just like okay i hear crowd noise and yeah i I assume people are getting excited about this i suppose but i mean do you 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 had mentioned you know they can't force them to to take to be vaccinated and and i can appreciate that but at the same time i still something about it feels weird to me that after the last year plus they can't force them. Why can't they force? I mean, are your kids not forced to get vaccinated for a half dozen different things before they go to school? Not anymore. Like, I can't remember I get, how you can get them out of it. I, I, I have, have to claim religious screen. objection or some some kind of an objection. So in, you, in the corporate world, you you're forced to be vaccinated to, for half of the jobs you're hired on for. If you work in a hospital, yeah, yeah. So it's it's I probably mean, it's, it's a it's a collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, there. right. Yeah, right. I think you still have to on the player's side, perhaps try to work towards something 
and maybe you mm-hmm. feel like you're conceding something okay but it's going to be a whole a whole lot it's going to be a whole lot better for most of the players that actually want to get vaccinated and maybe even some of that don't don't realize okay while well, life's going to be a whole lot easier if we're all vaccinated we kind of <laughs> just go on a little bit more like normal right that's the thing i mean it's kind of like look if you're gonna do it I mean, why aren't you doing it now just so we can get it over with? Because otherwise, you, you're telling me you're just never going to do it. You're just never going to get vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, what's what's the deal here? All right, man. Uh, we're running out of time here. I've got to go cook food and get ready for the Super Bowl. And uh, we'll, we'll pick up. We'll pick up and discuss the Super Bowl later this week. Nice. Sounds right, good. Buddy. Thanks.